0: It's the history of football we knows about And we want to expand what we know We'll become such intelligent gentry With every kick-to-kick show
1: Beginning in the time 1870s Right through to the modern day Tune in for Timmy Coops and the Kazman To hear what they all have to say Welcome back to the Kick to Kick podcast. Today we're talking about part two of the 1973 season. Um, Some things we're going to talk about Richmond sign a dumped player who spent 10 days of his preseason in jail. Essendon have a new superstar, Ruckman, who makes an immediate impact. And Collingwood have a ripper season, but something seems off with Peter McKenna. Charlie, welcome back to 1973.
0: It's lovely to be here talking finalists. We're, we are. we're talking about the cream of the season. Yeah, yes,
1: we are indeed. Do you want to take us up the ladder and you know, who,
0: remind us who finished in the bottom half? Absolutely, I would absolutely, I would love to. So, uh, at the bottom of the ladder we had South Melbourne with 4 wins and 18 losses. 11th Geelong, 6 wins, 16 losses. 10th Melbourne with 7 wins and 15 losses. You we'll say that with pain. Yes, Footscray, uh, but Robbie Flower did start this year, okay. so we can talk about that. Uh, Footscray, seven wins, one draw, 14 losses. Fitzroy, eighth, nine wins, 13 losses. Hawthorne, seventh, 11 wins, 11 losses. And North Melbourne, sixth, 11 wins, one draw, 10 losses. So those are our non-finalist teams. All right. and And that takes us into the weird... Top five. Still, still adjusting. The final five. Yeah. Uh, so, in that fifth spot, spot sneaking into finals, is St Kilda with 12 wins, 10 losses, and 105.3%. So, this is going back to that sort of old, old rule of, you know, 12 wins will get you a spot in finals. Yeah. <laughs> That's Absolutely. almost the old match, yeah. isn't it? Yeah.
1: Um, some debutants include Peter Bell, Val Perovic. Um, And some recruits from WA, including Russell Reynolds and George Young.
0: So I didn't mention uh, uh, that St Kilda was, of course, coached by Alan Jeans and captained by... uh, Stu Trott.
1: Yes, yeah, so Stuart Trott taking Take over, over from Ross Smith. Who had headed over to the WA. Yes. Um, also, the loss of Carl Diderich was huge.
0: Yes, of course, we've already talked about yes. that. Yes.
1: Um, and round one, who should they come up against but the Demons? Of
0: course they did.
1: Um, and unfortunately for the Demons, Carl Diderich had a nightmare debut and the Saints won comfortably. <laughs> uh, they completely shut down the Demons' teamwork and didn't allow them to play their own game. Uh, even more galling for the Demons was the former St Kilda big man, Brian Minot. Who had actually agreed to join Melbourne before Diderich was lured over?
0: Oh, yeah. So they've gone for Didrich instead. Yep. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Doesn't look like it's worked out.
1: Round two, St Kilda was the faster side against Fitzroy. It had more skillful players and made a, made the Lions look mediocre. Alan Davis uh, and Barry Lawrence did well all day. Um, Lawrence finished with four, and Ruckman Rod Galt was best on ground with his marking around the ground, not to mention his five goals. Um, in round five, the Saints played a tactical game against the Swans with Mick Malthouse blanketing Peter Bedford and new recruit Russell Reynolds kicking three as the Saints won by 28. Uh, following the round six loss to Essendon, John Bonney announced his immediate retirement, but he'll be back. Okay. Uh, round eight was a good team win over the Cats. And in round nine against the Hawks at Morabbin, the game was described uh, as bone-jarringly savage. Ooh, Because we know St Kilda and Hawthorne have played some crackers recently Yes. One report stating that when the dust from the knuckle grazing brawls Behind the play elbow jolts and shop full of shirt fronts had cleared The Saints stood halo askew after a trip to hell <laughs> uh, When Michael Tuck and St John Mansey clashed in the third term A wild melee ensued Manzi was later flattened leading to another brawl But the Saints won by 14 points oh My gosh, okay uh, in the round 10 loss to the Ruse, coach Alan Jeans was reported for abusive language, yelling out to umpire coach something like, Coach, you mongrel, give us a go. He was found guilty and received a severe reprimand. Uh, then in the next match, the move of Cowboy Neil from full back to full forward saw him kick four goals, and the player of Ruckman, Neil Bazanko helped the Saints to a four-goal win over the Blues. Round 12 was a spiteful occasion against the Demons at Moorabbin. hey. The Saints' attack was misfiring, but at the other end, their defenders were completely on top. And and when the Demons did have chances, they were wasteful, opening up a lead of just 14 points at quarter time, despite the howling gale, and then kicking one goal, nine, with the wind in the third term. Carl didrich had a fiery return to Morabin, spending the day clashing with old teammates, arguing with the field umpires and being baited by the crowd.
0: Yeah, well, we... Yeah, he's, he's not the most level-headed bloke at the best of times, is yeah. he? So. Demon Stephen Curley
1: was felled behind play by Cowboy Neal in the second quarter and was still bleeding after the game. He received a chipped tooth and was forced to seek medical treatment with an ear, nose and throat specialist. The incident was unreported. Um, and another thing unreported was a hit on St. Kilda Rover, Jeff Moran, which briefly knocked him out. Although St. Rover in George was reported, the Saints ultimately prevailed by 26 points. But following this, for the first time in the VFL history, video evidence was allowed at the tribunal case of uh, Ian, Ro- Ian George. With footage taken from the coaches um, presented in defense of Saints player, Ian George, who had been accused of striking, it didn't help him and he did not get off. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Because Do you remember there was that incident with Brassi like 10 seasons ago where I think he got reported for hitting a Richmond player? Yeah. And they had video evidence, but they refused to look at it. Oh, yes. So it's only taken them like 10 years to get their heads around this. Yeah. Um, in the Saints' 10-goal win over the Lions in round 13, the Stars were WA veteran George Young with five and Trevor Pays, who had 40, 34 disposals. Round 16, the Saints turned to one good quarter... Turned in one good quarter to beat the Swans. Their 7-goal 2 second quarter, enough to earn them the 8-point points, the 8 point win. Round 18, the Saints did what they needed against the Dogs. In round 20, the Saints travelled to Glenferry in the Quagmire. Uh, and this match would hinge heavily on who made the 5, with both teams trying to get that last spot. Wet weather specialist Glenn Elliott played a perler of a game with 34 disposals and the goal that sealed the Saints' 21-point win. In round 21, for three and a half quarters, the Saints were second best to the ball against North Melbourne and were four goals down, seven minutes into the last. But the Saints applied the pressure and the Ruse wilted. Led by Trott, Lawrence and Breen, the Saints kicked the last six goals of the match to win by 18. They lost their last match of the season to the Blues, but it was a
0: dead rubber anyway. They couldn't be moved
1: from fifth spot.
0: Yes. Yeah, so... They just seem to be waning a little bit now, don't they, A the little Saints.
1: bit, but they're still like, that tough
0: edge. Yes. Like, you don't want to go to Moorabbin. No, no. It doesn't sound like visit. a fun place to be. You're can't. you coming out a little bit worse for wear. So, the lead goal kicker for Saints this year was uh, Alan Davis with 49, Barry Breen second on that list with 28, okay. and the Trevor Barker medal in 73 went to Cowboy Neal for the first time. Wow. Uh, Considering, you know, eight years now at, at down at Moorabbin and... Other places, mm. Marabin and Mar-a- Mar-a- the Junction. Yes, yeah, right. So, uh, yeah.
1: no, he wouldn't have been at Junction because they left there in '64.
0: Ah, he came the year after. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. Uh, so that takes us up to fourth spot, mm. uh, which is filled by those same old Essendon, uh, with thirteen wins and nine losses, a percentage of one hundred and four point four percent. Captain, coached by Tuddy. There's Tudman. Yes.
1: Um, so, some debutants include big name Ronnie Andrews,
0: who was a very aggressive man. Uh, Where's Barrett? But, Charlie, tell us about Graham Moss. Graham Moss, I would love to. So, Mossy d- debuted for Claremont in the Waffle in 1969. A uh, big man, 196 centimetres, 102 kilos. Uh, in and in 1970, he made his debut for the Western Australian state team. Uh, that was when uh, Essendon started to attempt to lure him to Melbourne, uh, and a, something that took several uh, tries, and they succeeded before the '73 season. He was a superb knock ruckman, uh, or tap ruckman, I guess, yeah. uh, and he was equally impressive around the ground, both aerially and in the packs. So yeah. 196 and 102, that's a pretty lean, muscular sort of yeah, character. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, there's Mossy. Yes. In
1: 1973, the Victorian Premier Rupert Hamer opened the A.T. Hurd Stand. It housed the club's social club, uh, named in honour of the former player and club president Alan Hurd, the grandfather of James Hurd. Mm-hmm. Um, these new stands had improvement and improvements to the outer, with terraced and rows of seats now placed around the ground limited the crowd capacity to less than 30,000 people, which was far fewer than the record crowd a decade before. Ah, okay. But still good. Um, now, going into this season, Essendon had also lost a number of players. So Captain Barry Davis, or former Captain Barry Davis, had moved to North Melbourne. Jeff Bleffen had moved to South Australia, I believe. He kicked 100 goals last season. Oh, and they lost uh, back pocket Daryl Gerlich. So this is all going to make Des Tuddenham's job much harder in 73. Yeah, absolutely. they made finals in 74. Um, in the in 70- f- 72. 72, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the other thing Before the season started Two days before the season started John Coleman passed away Ah um, Another big name Talked about Norm Smith <laughs> Leaving Smith-y last before, year yes. Um, so John Coleman Suffering from a heart attack And dying um, Down at Down at a hotel in Portsea I believe it was uh, Dromana, sorry Died in Dromana So A huge mark on the club um, We obviously know The Coleman medals Named after him uh, And And coached the club to two premierships yeah Yeah.
0: and roasted his fair share of umpires along the way
1: Mm. (laughs) Um, so he yeah he did he hated the umpires he died of a coronary atheroma okay yep Um, okay so round one was a close loss to Richmond by two points however new recruit Graham Moss impressed on debut 26 disposals 12 hit outs round two, the Swans put up a good showing against the Bombers, but twice during the game, the Dons put on spurts of six goals in quick flurries to seal the game. Although lacking a real goal kicker, Cinnamon Neville Fields helped out with a handy six. In round three, they were embarrassed by the Hawks, if you remember that Lee Matthews game we talked about last week.
0: Oh, yes, yes. 11
1: goals and 46 disposals or something ridiculous. Not bad at all. Well, not from the Bombers' point of view. (laughs) Uh, Round four, the Bombers beat the Dogs in an unimpressive display, the highlight being a fight between Bomber Don McKenzie and Barry Round who tangled after Barry Round had hurt himself flying for a mark. He was an- awarded another kick at goal after missing his first. Um, McKenzie queried this and got into a push and shove with Round, as well as the trainers uh, and dog supporters who were near him threw beer cans, fruit, and other missiles as the pair clashed. <laughs> uh, round five, they beat Lowly Geelong by 16 points. Round six at Moorabbin, the Bombers came to play with Moss and Greg Perry dominating the Saints' rucks to see the Bombers rack up 39-point halftime lead. Saints came within 10 points in the second half, but the Bombers were able to steady and run out 19-point winners. Alan Noonan with five in that game. Uh, in round seven against the new and improved Kangaroos, Moss and Perry teamed well again with Desi, Desi Tudnam and Andy Wilson to make a greater use of the new centre diamond. Williams shut down Kekovic and Roberts kicked six as the Bombers smashed the Roos by 70 points. To nice. take North Melbourne. Uh, in round eight, the Bombers beat Melbourne by 10 points. Um, a Des Tuttenham Halftime blast Saved the Bombers In their match Against the Lions And a week later They scraped home Against the Swans Largely thanks to Graham Moss Then against the Dogs At Waverley in the Fog The Bulldogs had more Of the play And five more scoring shots But the Bombers won Comfortably by 35 points The Doggies kicked 13 goals 19 Opposed to the Very accurate Bombers uh, They kicked a goal In the first minute And then a behind At the 10 minute mark And followed this With a run of 12 straight goals Until Ken Roberts Scored their second behind At the 25 minute mark Of the third quarter Wow um, around this time For some reason Des Tuddenham Handed the training responsibilities To Bob Skilton Oh Don't ask me why <laughs> Alright In the rematch with the Hawks Des Tudnam wanted to make sure That Lee Matthews Did not dominate again So he sent young Peter Hickmont To shadow him And it worked uh, Andy Wilson kicked six And Graham Moss More than held his own In the rucks Against Don Scott And El Martello Bombers won by 35 points Nice Good turnaround Um the Essendon St the Round 17 game, was hard and tough. Desi Tuddenham was close to best on ground. He roamed far and wide and was knocked to the ground many times, but always bounced back. The Saints took a 12-point lead into the last quarter, but led by Robin Close, the Bombers attacked time and again to run out four-goal winners. Uh, the week after Round 18, the Bombers came out of the blocks against North Melbourne, which led to a clash of coaches with Brassy and Des Tudham involved in a confrontation at quarter time.
2: Ooh.
1: Uh, this inspired the Roos, to kick seven goals two in the quarter to lead by thirteen at half time. But then the bombers staged a remarkable fight back. Uh, the Rue still led at the twenty six minute mark of the last quarter. It was then that Graham Moss marked as he was as he cannoned into teammate Robin Close. But Moss kicked truly and scored the goal to put the Bombers three points ahead, which was the final margin. There you go. Love that. In round 19 against the Demons, the Bombers controlled the whole game and were well clear in the last quarter when Alan Noonan, who had seven goals on the board, left the field with a dislocated shoulder. And that's when the Demons pounced. Diderich and Stan Elves led the fight back against 17 men. But it was too little too late. The Bombers holding on by 14. Uh, but the Bombers lost their final three games of the season. Luckily, they were already locked into finals at that stage. But not a way you want to be heading into finals with three losses.
0: No, it's not setting you up all that well, no. is it?
1: They kind of papered it over the cracks there that they'd already qualified. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Don's lead goal kicker this year was Alan Noonan uh, with 63. Uh, Andrew Wilson just, well, second on that list as a rover with 40, uh, which... It makes sense considering he did take out the Crichton Medal this yeah. year. So, Andy Wilson, forty goals as a rover, mm-hmm. absolute standout season for him in seventy-three, uh, which takes us up to third spot with fifteen wins and seven losses. So, two clear of uh, of Essendon, uh, was those Blues, the reigning premiers. Yes. Uh, so, captain coach by Johnny Nichols. A couple of captain coaches there. Yes, still interesting.
1: Um, Debutantes include Ray Byrne, Lance Styles. I mean, those two could be members of a boy band. Couldn't Absolutely. Uh, Vinnie Cattagio Quintag- and Rod Ashman. Tell us a bit about Rod Ashman. Yes.
0: So Ashman uh, arrived at Princess Park in the summer of '72. He was a boom recruit from Eagle Hawk Football Club in Bendigo, and he was tied to Carlton under the, those Zol- zoning rules. From when, when was 67 it?
1: 67 Cup- or 68.
0: Yeah, okay. So, yeah, a little while ago now. Uh, so, coming off a very sensational year in junior footy, he was also an athletics champion. So, he's just an athlete, yeah. you know? Yep. Yeah. Uh, he hit the headlines as a high-marking forward for the for the Blues under-18 team when he kicked 137 goals for the season, including a haul of 18 majors in one afternoon against Rochester. <laughs> Eagle Oak won the... Uh, the Bendigo League under 18 flag, and Rod was the clear winner of the competition best and fairest. His courageous style of play saw him suffer frequent concussions and later play in a helmet.
1: Wow, okay.
0: 18 goals in a game and 137 for the season in an under-18 team. Not bad.
1: All right, round one, the Blues spoiled Polly Farmer's return to the Cats, beating them at Cardinia Park by 56. Uh, in the process, captain-coach John Nichols was reported and suspended for striking Geelong's David Barkley, mm. which meant and that meant he couldn't coach because he's captain-coach, so he's not allowed to coach at the game. Not allowed to be at the game, basically. Really? Yep.
0: Oh, I didn't realise that. I believe that's the case because
1: round two, um, reserves coach Keith McKenzie had to take charge, and the Blues unfurled their flag with John Nichols given special permission to see the flag unfurled.
0: And then had to leave
1: as he was not allowed on Princess (laughs) Park on the playing area. Okay, so maybe he can coach, but maybe he can't be on the ground to address the team. Yeah, so So maybe McKenzie's
0: there as his sort of runner almost. Yeah, potentially. Seems weird. Yeah.
1: they then beat their old coach's new team, knocking off the Ruse by 27. Kennedy, the star here with five goals. They got, over, they got over a game against the Demons where they probably didn't deserve to. And then Greg Kennedy and Trevor Keer led them to a win over the Hawks. It was the first time the Blues had won two consecutive matches at home against the Hawks since 1960. Hmm. Round five, Carlton carried on their winning ways after a slow start. So, which-
0: sorry. like that, that is a stat... Like, when you hear that, you're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. The Hawks are great. But since 1960, they weren't great. No. So, that's a weird one. Yeah. Very interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Round five. Carlton carried on their winning way after a slow start in which the pacey Lions showed out early, but failed to match the better team playing... Blues after halftime It was Carlton's Third win in a row And they kicked Their highest score For six games Against Fitzroy Rod Ashman made His debut in that game Nice In round seven They trounced Collingwood By 59 points To record their Highest score Against them Since 1943 Round eight Robert Walls Was best on ground In a thumping Of the Swans Round nine Was Big Nick's 300th game He ran through A special banner Carlton then promptly played a brilliant game of football to smash the Bombers by 41, leading from pillar to post. Mackay and Percy Jones with four each, and they were never really headed. Gary Crane steered the Blues to a 26 point win over the Dogs at Waverly, uh, then they were tripped up by the Saints at Moorabbin. Round 12, they beat the Cats, with Barry Armstrong the match winner in the middle. Then the Barassi led Kangaroos got them in a bruising encounter, which saw the Blues finish the game with 16 fit men. Uh, this may account for why the Hawks were able to beat them the following week. They gained a few players back for the win over Melbourne but for Vin Waite who had just returned from a broken thumb it was more bad luck as he finished the game with a torn shoulder muscle. Round 17 was an important win as Carlton played a premiership brand of football to soundly defeat the Tigers at Princes Park. The Blues won by 26 points but gave the impression that if pushed they could rattle on extra goals with ease. Round 19 the Blues easily beat the Swans a 13 goal to 5 opening half uh, all but killing the contest. And the eventful margin of 57 actually flattered the Swans. Walsh with 5, Walls and Big Nick with 4. Round 20, taking on the Bombers at Waverly, Carlton came from 4 goals down at halftime to kick 12 goals 5 to the Bombers 1 goal 3 in the last half and finished with their best ever total of 17 goals 9 at VFL Park. It was the Blues' 12th consecutive win over the Bombers. Wow. Jezza with five, Mackay with uh, best on ground. The final round win over St Kilda was a perfect way to round out the season. Wars with six and Jezza with four, hitting their peak at the right time of the season. The win also meant that they were undefeated at home for the whole season, winning all 11 games, which led for calls for Carlton to play their earned finals at Princes Park. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That'd be right. Let's change the rules for that for Carlton. Yeah. How ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, lead goal kicker for Carlton this year was Brian Walsh with 60. Yeah. We had Wolsey and John Nichols both on 47, just behind him. Yeah. And the big recu- recruit, Rod Ashman, got nine games in for three goals, eight. Ah. So, he's finding his place still. Young man, yeah. young man. And the Johnny Nichols medal in 1973 went to Peter Jones. Uh, so taking us up the ladder to second place with Richmond, those Tigers with 17 wins and five losses, 117.6%. Uh, so a captain by Royce Hart, coached by Tony Haytham, of course.
1: Uh, all right, some debutants include Glenn Hewitt, was Leighton's dad. Oh wow! Yeah, We've got Robert Lamb, Noel Carter, Francis Jackson, who is actually my um, and can you tell us about Graham Teasdale.
0: I would absolutely love to tell you about Graham Teasdale. Uh, he came to Richmond as a high leaping full forward. So he was recruited from K- Charlton, and he spent 1972 in the under-19 team, and went on to win the comp goal kicking award with 84 in 72. Despite kicking many goals in the seconds and thirds, he only played six senior games. So during the 73 season, he kicked a combined total. Of 129 goals for the season, 27 in the thirds, 86 in the reserves, and 16 in the seniors. He was a member of the reserves, 1973 premiership side, but would be best known for his time at South Melbourne. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Um, Another recruit was uh, former Bulldog Bobby McGee, who had spent 10 days in jail in Adelaide. In the preseason, oh. Um, He actually got signed to, North, to South Melbourne But then changed his mind And wanted to go to uh, Richmond To
0: the Tigers and So they worked out
1: that deal And he went to the Tigers Wow, there you go mm. And also Richmond are entering this season Really driven to redeem themselves After being favourites for the 72 flag And then losing to Carlton In that high-scoring goal fest Yes,
0: that's right
1: They begun that began that quest for redemption In round one against the Bombers In a close game The Bombers taking a 13-point lead In the last quarter Um, and the game the lead changed three times as the quarter went for about 40 minutes it was only the brilliance of Kevin Sheedy with two goals and Royce Hart giving full value with his 10 kicks that turned defeat into victory by two points but Barry Richardson did his knee in this game and would miss the whole season that hurts round two against the Cats who bolted out of the gate with six goals led by David Clark Uh, the Tigers were then able to steady through Kevin Bartlett and Mike Green Um, giving them attacking opportunities. The Tigers Tigers employed a tactic of rotating their defenders through the midfield, which mystified their opponents. They kicked eight goals five in the third quarter to take control of the match and went on to win by 17. Round three was a team effort that helped them get over the line against the Saints. Kevin Bartlett, the driving force here, as was Paul Sproul. Ian Stewart kicked four, and incredibly, the team didn't kick a behind until late in the last quarter, although the Saints had rushed two of their behinds. Tigers won that by 29 points. Yeah, wow. And the D stayed with the Tigers for three quarters, but four quick goals in the last saw them get an easy win in round four. Round six was a grand final rematch as the Tigers and the Blues um, locked horns again. Uh, And there were constant reminders of that game everywhere, lots of little flare-ups. But the Tigers kicked ten second-quarter goals to take charge of that match. Wow. Mike Green led the charge with 5 across the game as the Tigers won by 26 Bartlett was also really good 26 kicks, 3 marks no handballs, 2 goals, (laughs) 2 Round 7 was Dick Clay's 150th game against Fitzroy his celebrations consisted of thrashing 3 opponents and helping the Tigers to a 37 point win KB with 37 disposals, 4 handballs and Ricky McLean with (laughs) 5 goals Um, But then during state duties, Kevin Bartlett actually broke his hand and would miss the next three games. He doesn't need it. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Uh,
1: Around 10, Graham Teasdale made his debut, ironically, against the Swans, where he kicked six of the Tigers' 13 goals in a five-goal win. A week later, he kicked five in the win over the Dogs in a lopsided win, where Ian Stewart and Francis Burke also dominated. Um, Then a tough physical match against the Bombers at the G saw the Tigers show persistence and teamwork to earn a 16-point win. The Tigers were well-led by Barlett with four, and Sheedy and Wayne Walsh playing well on the wing. They beat the Cats, then against the Roos in round 14, Mike Green marked everything, and Brian Roberts, um, Neil Baum kicked six goals two and Sheedy dined out on 24 disposals to help the Tigers to a 39-point win over the Roos. Nice. Round 15, Richmond had a 13-point win over the Saints. There was controversy early, though, when a goal was attributed to Paul Sproul, but it actually came off the boot of St. Barry Lawrence. Uh, The only downside of this match was the injury to Royce Hart, who tore the cartilage off his knee, which meant he would miss the next
0: five games. Yeah. Big loss.
1: Now, despite a masterful game in Round 16 by big man Carl Diderich for the Demons, the Richmond Tigers careened away for an easy 37-point win. Um, They started the Round 18 game against the Lions with a raw, kicking seven goals, with Dick Clay in full flight, kicking three. Uh, And this was what won them a rather uneventful game.
0: Yeah, so they, they... Getting out ahead pretty early, it sounds like, and then just yeah. shutting it down. They're
1: able to turn it on for a quarter, and that's yeah, bulletin, and all that's they all need. they need. Yeah. Um, in Rex Hunt's 100th game in round 19, the Tigers started well against the Hawks, kicking six goals, five to two goals, three in the opening quarter. But to the Hawks' credit, they got themselves back into this match, yeah. um, and it was neck and neck for the rest of the game. In the dying seconds, Rex Hunt, in his 100th game, pulled down a big mark in front of goal and kicked the winning hot goal to see the Tigers home by five points.
0: Yibbida-yibbida-yibbida. <laughs>
1: Uh, round 20, the Tigers took on the Pies at Victoria Park and Len Thompson dominated the ruck but with George Bissett a late out Kevin Bartlett roved his taps to perfection to help steer the Tigers to an important win over the Pies He finished with 34 kicks, 2 handballs and the goal Neil Barm was huge as well He crashed through packs, kicked 3 goals in the opening quarter 5 for the match as well as being cautioned for throwing mud in an opponent's face Amazing The Tigers won by 41 points at Victoria Park. Although on a sour note, Francis Burke tore a medial ligament in this match and pinched a cartilage, putting his season in
0: doubt. Yeah, wow. Okay, so they're running through a few injuries this they year, are, aren't yep, they? But they? But They've got depth. Yeah, Yeah. that's what I was going to say.
1: Royce Hart made his comeback in round 21 and was pretty serviceable in an easy win over the Swans. Kevin Morris, best on ground. And in the final round, they were able to... Actually, the final round, they went down to the doggies by a point in a thriller.
0: But they didn't need that. They was obviously clearly in second place there with that, uh, even before that. So all good. Yes. Collingwood. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, that takes us. So our lead goal kicker for Rich, that's right. So our lead goal kicker for Richmond uh, this year was Neil Baum with 34. But Royce Hart, Ricky McLean had 32. KB had 31. Mike Green 30. Paul Sproul, 29, Kevin Morris, 28, Robert Lamb, 28. So there's a lot of depth in that goal kicking there. Uh, It just, yeah, very similar the whole way through. Got to mention this because, as we were just saying, so KB this year uh, had 634 kicks, 38 (laughs) handballs. Pretty amazing. And the Jack Dyer medal in 73 went to KB for the third time. Yeah, so that takes us to the top of the ladder, where sit those mighty pies with 19 wins, three losses. Huge, 125.5%. And you
1: uh, you forget that throughout this period where Richmond and Carlton were dominating, Collingwood was like on top of it, like they were there. They were there, about, they just couldn't sort of... But they had terrible finals records and you, they're consigned to the fact that you don't remember them being
0: there. Yeah, exactly. They Yeah, they were thereabouts, but, yeah, but you know... Good, There's no prizes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, co- uh, coached by Neil Mann, captained by Wayne Richardson. Indeed, we've got some
1: good debutants as well. We've got Phil Manassa, probably well known for that run in the '77 replay grand final. Uh, yes. Um, and another man, Renee Kink.
0: Yes. So Renee Kink uh, was a agile and aerodynamic. And powerful player, despite being a hefty 100, 183 centimetres and 91 kilo man. So, uh, yes, he used that, he used that power f- quite well, apparently. Yes. Uh, he was a mercurial footballer, love that word, uh, who at his best could be as exhilarating to watch as any player in the VFL. Originally from Ararat, Kink played in a variety of positions during his career, but was mainly used as a half-forward flanker or sometimes full-forward. She's had love to be called Mercurial, yeah. Just as a human, big brain.
1: Um, another recruit was John Williams, the composer, who had decided to convert. No, uh, John John Williams crossed from Essendon as well. Who had been Essendon's vice-captain, so that was a good little get for them. And also, in November of 1972, Bulldog champion George Bissett switched to Collingwood under the 10-year rule, oh. citing a want-to-play finals as the main reason.
0: Ah, oh, well, you know, that's fair. Yeah. He's not going, they're paying me three times as much. It's a good reason to move. Yeah. Now,
1: pre-season, you'll be surprised to learn that Len Thompson, the reigning Brownlow medalist, retired from football in January uh, due to continued contract demands. Oh. By round one, he was back. Ah,
0: yes, days, yes, of yeah. course. Uh,
1: and also, another little interesting note here, Peter Eakins, that uh, Western Australian recruit they had, the, who yeah. kind of threw everything in disarray, he was just quietly given a clearance back to WA. Oh, yeah, just moved along, uh, yeah, okay. He's yeah, signing, yeah. leaving a trail of devastation at the club. Yeah, probably, yeah. I mean, he, that's the reason Des Tuddenham left and probably... Probably cost Bobby Rose his job there as well. In the end, you could argue.
0: Yeah, well, this is the yeah. It's it's a big slap in the face, isn't it, to the players who who are sticking around. You you've got to respect who's already there. Absolutely. It still happens sometimes as well. You know, these guys get paid a heap of cash, and you're not you don't you forget the value in the guys who are already at the club. Yeah. Yep.
1: Mm. Um, Round one, it must have been the right decision to keep playing as Len Thompson was best on ground. His work. Around the ground was immense. Uh, Peter McKenna kicked eight goals, six. A new recruit, George Bissett, won over the Magpie Faithful with a good display in a 76-point win there. Let's just see who that win was against as well. It was against uh, South Melbourne. Mm. Um, Then the Pies were lucky the Dogs couldn't kick straight In their game the next week They uh, were able to kick six goals to three in the last quarter To beat the Doggies by 20 points Um, Collingwood was making the most of easy sides They played early in the season Including a a round three win over the Cats In round four against the Saints It was new recruit George Bissett With 31 disposals, two goals And even a hit out that allowed the Pies to a big win over the Saints Although the game ended in shambles When someone in the stands blew a foghorn while Graham Dunstan was having a kick for goal. Oh. Um, this prompted hundreds of children, again these children, to swarm onto the ground <laughs> thinking the game was over. <laughs> um, Just blaming the kids. Yeah, after after a delay of game, the players reset. the players kicked another goal before the siren went, and the kids ran on again. Hey off kids. you go kids. No adults, of course. Just <laughs> no, yeah. Never. Uh, taking on the New Look Kangaroos around five at Arden Street, the Pies should have been put away in the first quarter. As the Roos had sixteen scoring shots, but luckily this included fourteen behinds. Oh, wow. um, this let the Pies off the hook and they responded to control the next three quarters and run out eleven point winners. In round six against Melbourne, the Pies took a three-goal lead into the first change before the Demons came to play. By half time there was less than a goal in it. But it was the third quarter that got the Magpies over the line. They kicked eight goals, two to two points. Uh, To ruin the game as a contest, Melbourne were good in the last, but uh, four goals, seven to two points wasn't good enough to get them back into the match. So they lost.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, against the Lions at Victoria Park in round eight, the Pies were made to look second rate early on, and it wasn't until midway through the third when the Lions fell in a heap, and the Pies, led by Len Thompson, dominating the ruck, were back in this game. The Richardson brothers dominated with almost 50 possessions between them. The Pies won by 35. Round 9, a slightly limp Tiger's outfit took on the Magpies, determined to make a statement, and boy, did they. With 54 intercept marks, the Pies dominated all the stats. Len Thompson dominated the ruck, Max Richardson shutting out Dick Clay and Wayne Richardson with 32 kicks, 13 marks, and Peter McKenna with 7 goals, helped the Pies win by 39. Uh, They had a good win over the Hawks in the mud the next week. It wasn't impressive, uh, but hailed by Neil Mann as their best for the season. McKenna kicking 5. Um, McKenna kicked 8 to get them over the line against the Dons in round 11 alright in round 12 against the Swans at half time uh, so one of the biggest all-in brawls of the season oh good it began when Len Thompson and Norm Gross um, got into a a bit of a tiff and involved all but 4 players Len Thompson emerging from the fracas with a jumper off Len Thompson emerging from the fracas without a jumper and sporting a cut eye Uh, (laughs) Magpies did enough to win by 22 points though uh, although the score wasn't as close as the margin suggested. Against the Dogs, they scraped home by five points following an Adrian Gallagher miss on goals. They got home easily against the Saints, thanks to the usual suspects, but their form wasn't as impressive as their 13 1 record suggested. Mm-hmm. In, round fir- in round 15, in a reverse of form from the previous season, the Cats had a decent 37 point lead at half time, and they'd also been offered a $600 incentive by a group of fans to beat the Pies. But they blew their lead and the pies came back into the game in the second half. The switch of Peter McKenna to centre half forward and Ross Dunn to full forward confused the Cats somewhat and they got home by eight points. If you remember last year they were ahead they had like a forty-eight point lead over the Cats and lost by a point. That's right, so yes. Kind of a reverse. Um, the next week in round seventeen, Collingwood recruit George Bissett was best on ground over the Demons. He had twenty one kicks, eleven of which were passes. He kicked two goals too and was all over the ground when needed. Uh, McKenna kicked five in a 39-point win. Uh, Collingwood proved their league leadership credentials by beating Carlton by 15 points. They jumped the Blues early. Uh, In round 19 for the first three quarters against the Lions, the Pies went about their business doing only what was needed to hold the Lions at bay. However, Neil Mann must have said something to them to spark them because they slammed on nine goals three in an eye-catching display in the last quarter. Bissett, Len Thompson and Bob Hurd led the charge in what blew out to a 45-point win. Round twenty-one, the Pires overcame the distraction of Peter Hudson helicoptering in to, to uh to beat the Magpie to beat the Hawks. Um, Peter McKenna kicked four, and Bissett was best on ground, winning three with with three goals. And in the last round, they beat the Bombers by ten points. Their first win at Windy Hill since nineteen sixty-nine. Wayne Richardson easily best on ground, but another uh, top of the ladder finish for the Magpies.
0: Yes, absolutely. You were saying you know di- didn't look that great, but that's what the best teams do isn't it like they manage the four points even yeah. when they're not looking yeah. that strong yeah. so that tells a lot uh, lead goal kicker for Collingwood would, would of course uh, Peter McKenna with 86 this year uh, Rod Oborn next on that list with 39 George Bissett next with 34 so good year from the from the recruit
1: yeah absolutely they'd be happy with getting him in
0: certainly would and the Copeland in 73 went to Len Thompson for the fourth time uh, overall overall Two years in a row
1: Yeah Made happy He didn't retire
3: Absolutely
0: Should be paying him more
1: though Um, Let's cross to Moz now And hear about the 1973 Brownlow The Brownlow Down low
2: With Moz
3: Keith Gregg Was recruited From Brunswick Football Club For his elite Ball handling skills Speed And ability To kick deep Into attack He debuted For the Kangaroos In 1971 And won his First of two Brownlows In 1973 Greg famously wore number 27, and polled 27 votes to win both his Brownlows. After winning the Brownlow in 73, Greg said he trained even harder, knowing that the pressure was on him in 1974. At this early stage in his career, Greg played on the wing, and with his superb ball handling skills, was known as the most elegant of wingmen. He was the first North Melbourne player to win the award, until Noel Tisdale was retrospectively awarded his Brownlow for 1965. Greg was only 21 years old when he won his first Brownlow, and he won by only two votes. Essendon's Graham Moss finished on 25 votes, and Hawthorn's Lee Matthews polled 23.
1: Um, all right, Charlie, would you like to know the Coles goals winner? I would. Can I guess? Yeah.
0: I feel like it's going to be uh, Richmond.
1: Actually, Essendon.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Which is surprising considering they got rid of Jeff Blath Yes, they lost him. Uh, 354 goals was their... Uh with the goals scored this
0: year. Let us get to these finals. Let us get to these finals. So, uh, the qualifying final, again, it's that weird thing, right? So, we've got the qualifying final, then the elimination final, then the two semis, then the prelim, then the grand. So, the first qualifying final was between Richmond and Carlton coming up against each other again in the finals. Yeah, they love it. Um, So, Uh, so this one was at the G in front of 86,000 people.
1: All right, the qualifying final was dominated by defences. The Blues won the match in the third quarter when they scored four goals, four to two goals, three. Um, this provided a handy break of four goals at the final change. It was the break that the Blues were able to maintain. Carlton's great strength were their Ruckman, John Nichols and Peter Jones were on top. Um, Craig Davis and Robert Walls were also dangerous. Uh, for the Tigers, Royce Hart was in his usual devastating form at centre-half forward, overcoming that injury. Yes, and back up. to his best. Um, Ian Stewart picked up many kicks in the centre while Wayne Walsh was dominant on the half-forward flank. Um and fullback Dick Clay kept Carlton Ace, Alex Jeslenko goalless.
0: Mm, amazing. Yeah, so final scores there. Richmond 10, 11, 71. Uh, not good enough for Carlton's 13, 13, 91. So on that same day, we had Essen and St Kilda in the elimination final at Waverley Park in front of 53,400 people.
1: Yeah, so leading by one goal at half time, St Kilda were then dominant in the second half, unfortunately.
0: Mm, should say. That When you say one goal, it was six points. They'd kicked 7-11 to 7-5. Yeah, so, yeah. so they were obviously obviously had a lot more of it, That's but a weren't really good, accurate. Really good point.
1: So in the second half, the Saints kicked 17 goals to six, including 10 in the final quarter. High-flying Western Australian recruit George Young was best to field with 29 disposals and six goals. Alan Davis kicked four, and Barry Breen and Jeff Moran contributed three each. The score, their score of 24 goals, 14, 158, reminds the highest winning score by St Kilda in a final. Yeah,
0: massive. Yeah, so sixty-seven point win, big. Yeah. Uh, So, unfortunately, that takes Essendon out of the out of the play. Um, Was this when the run of not being able to win finals started? Um, Oh no, no, it's a separate (laughs) one though. There was a. a Oh, there was a separate period as well. Well,
1: there's that whole Um, thing that between 1968 and Cheedy taking over, we didn't win a final. Like. Oh really? Between 68 and now, Kevin Cheedy's only. Coach who's, who's won, won a final.
0: That's right. That is that yeah, stat. Yeah. A stupid. <laughs> it's irrelevant
1: because we won four premierships. Yeah, yeah.
0: Exactly. Completely irrelevant. But funny anyway. Uh, so that takes us to the next week where we had the two semi-finals. Uh, the first one being played at Waverley uh, in front of 60,000 people between Collingwood and Carlton, the old rivals.
1: Yeah. So early on, the Pies lost Twiggy Dunn for the season with an injury. Uh, and the crowd at this game was a vfl park record what was the crowd uh sixty
0: thousand and seventy-two.
1: yeah and they saw a willing contest between the game's fiercest rivals collingwood started really well and had 12 scoring shots to open the game but only could kick four goals halfway through the last quarter the magpies led by 12 points and were seemingly set for victory but it was then that john nichols took control on the ruck and kicked two team lifting goals in quick succession Collingwood's defence crumbled and the Blues rammed through three more late goals to win by 20 points. Mm. Uh, Peter McKenna was held to four kicks for the game and two goals and was well down
0: on four. Yes. So Collingwood did not enjoy that week off. They did not. No. Uh, So that second semi, same day at the MCG, in front of 86,483 people, was Richmond and St Kilda. And uh, low scoring first quarter.
1: It was. Two goals to one there, you see. But again, um, lots of points. Very inaccurate, yeah. Yeah. Um, Richmond had injured stars in Francis Burke and Kevin Morris failing to prove their fitness in a strong training session on the Thursday beforehand, which meant Roger Dean, 17-year veteran, came back into the side for what would be his last VFL game. A low-scoring first quarter saw the Tigers lead at every change and look clearly the better side throughout, yet only seven points separated them at the final change. So three-quarter time was 9-15 to 8-14. Um, The plucky Saints Stayed with them For three quarters But um, They ran away In that last quarter Piling on six goals To one To advance to the prelim Ball magnet Kevin Bartlett Was best to field Racking up 33 kicks And even three handballs Wow He received excellent support From Paul Sproul And Ian Stewart Whose influence in the centre Increased as the match wore on And throughout the final term He constantly drove The Tigers forward uh, but overall, Richmond had far too much class and determination for the Saints to handle, and this is kind of the end of St Kilda's glory run here. Yes, we, we won't see them again in finals until 1991.
0: Yeah, yeah, wow, yeah. Shame, very, shame. very big shame.
1: Yeah, but I mean, they've had that good, probably since what was 60, 63, was it? Yeah, when, yeah. When Jeans took over, yeah. and they moved to Merabin, they've had a, basically a good, run. good finals run. Yeah, Three they did. They
0: just didn't. Unfortunately, didn't capitalise yeah. on it. Um, So, yeah, final score there. Richmond, as you said, kicking six in that last quarter. Wow. Fifteen, eighteen, hundred and eight to St Kilda, only managing the one goal in the last 9-14-68. Richmond yeah. winning by forty. Every time we talk about this Richmond side at the moment, I'm like, geez, that's an unbelievable team. <sighs>
2: yeah,
1: you look at Ian
0: Stewart, K- KB, uh, Royce Hart, and
1: you keep we keep looking at them for the next few years, and you will keep saying that because yeah. some of the recruits they get next year are just as it just
0: it's ridiculous. Uh so taking us to that prelim, Collingwood, Richmond.
1: So controversy before the game Peter McKenna is, is left out of the team He's supposedly bedridden with gastric influenza Oh
0: yeah But it
1: might, was it about his form? Apparently there's a bit of conjecture there Oh um, So Renee Kink comes in as his replacement At age just 16 Becoming the youngest person to play in AFL-VFL final. Wow um, Also Tiger champion Royce Hart Was under a major injury cloud And was named as 19th man Francis Burke did make it back for this game a pumped-up Collingwood outfit jumped Richmond early on, piling on 6-7 to 2-2 in the first quarter. And that deficit blew up to as much as 45 points during the second quarter. A late goal to Neil Baum just before half-time, cut the margin to 36 points at the long break. Um, so 36 points at the main break. Enter Royce Hart. So against the doctor's orders to come on, um, they made the decision that you know there's no tomorrow, he's not going to be any bloody good in the grand final if we don't get there. Yeah. So let's bring him in. Um, He arrived on the field with an instant impact for the Tigers. He kicked an inspirational goal right at the start of the third quarter that was the catalyst for an amazing Richmond comeback. They slammed on 6-6 to 2-2 for the third quarter to trail by only eight points at the final change. Having seized the initiative, there was no way the Tigers were going to allow their opponents to rest it back off them, although it took them until the 19-minute mark of the last quarter for them to hit the front for the first time in the match when Rover uh, Kevin Bartlett gold. And another gar- Kevin Bartley goal minutes later. sealed one of the greatest wins in Richmond history. Seeing them through to another grand final, and seeing Richmond, uh, seeing Collingwood bundle out in straight sets again.
0: Wow. Yep. Unbelievable straight sets out for Collingwood
1: after only losing three goal three games for three the games season, for the season. They lose two in the finals,
0: and they beat both of these teams in the season. Yeah, yep. It's a worry. It is a worry. Yes, yeah, so I didn't say there. That was that game was at the G in front of ninety eight thousand six hundred people. Good crowd, but yeah, good crowd and great game. That comeback is incredible. So that takes us to the grand final, which
1: is the first rematch of grand final team since when, Charlie?
0: Since uh, Collingwood Melbourne, right? What years? Fifty five, fifty six. Well yes, it is. Um, so let's put up that way back when machine. Let's chat to. Yes. Um,
1: Royce Hart this
0: year. Yes, so this game in f- at the G in front of 116,956 people. I can't wait to talk to this guy. I know. Welcome Royce, Premiership Captain. How does that sound?
2: Yes, thanks, fellas, and I reckon that sounds pretty bloody good.
0: So, mate, today was a huge day for Richmond with uh, wins by your three lower teams as well. Is there a bit of pressure for you guys to finish it off?
2: Seriously, four flags in one day, still hard to believe. But, you know, it just had to be a day for Tigers, young and old. By the time we ran onto the ground, the fourth, the under-19s and the reserves, had all done their part, and the club had three flags. Imagine how we'd have felt if we hadn't won the big one. I don't think we could have looked them in the eye. It's not often a club gets the chance to set such a record.
1: And does it make up for the humiliation of last year?
2: Look, last year's grand final really knocked the stuffing out of us. We were devastated. We'd been hot favourites and allowed carpenter just dominate us, kicking a record score. It was humiliating. So uh, yes, today goes a long way towards redemption.
0: And what about for you personally as the leader of the club?
2: Well, I was captain last year and that was my biggest disappointment. I just think the players were that desperate to try and redeem themselves this year. I thought I wouldn't want a record of being captain of the side and getting in the grand final and losing two in a row.
1: Now, it was a pretty consistent season from the boys at Tigerland, but we're guessing you always had your eyes on, in two
2: places, finals and probably Carlton. Spot on. We knocked the Blues off early in the season, but then they got one back on us later in the season.
0: Now, did you always expect to, to meet them here again in, in September?
2: Absolutely. Collingwood were not much of a threat to us. We knew the weight of the flag would be through the Blues, who we came up against first in that qualifying final.
0: And they beat you in a pretty low-scoring
2: game. Yeah, it was similar in some ways to the draw we had last year. Just a a real hard slog. Lucky for us we had the double chance.
0: Now you guys accounted for the Saints again and then came up against Collingwood but your own form was down due to a a big injury.
2: Yeah that's right I had a torn cartilage in my knee from a mid-season game. but It was something we worked through. I I, I built it up through gym work so I could uh, play in the finals. Coming in this game the doctor said for the preliminary final against Collingwood that I should uh, sit on the bench and see how it goes.
1: Well you were probably hoping not to be used but that's not how it was played out was it?
2: No, well, uh, half time came and we were six or seven goals down and we got into the room and there was me, Graham Richmond and Tommy Hafey. Graham said to Tommy, you had better bring Royce on and Tom said, if you bring him on now, you won't have him for the grand final. Graham said, we won't get to the fucking grand final if he doesn't come on. So uh, I came on and I kicked a couple of important goals and I think that restored a bit of confidence.
1: So let's move to today. Um, How was your mindset in the preparation?
2: Well, pre-game, we were expecting Tommy to give us his usual lecture in the rooms. They usually last 40 or so minutes. And when we were about five minutes into it, talking about match-ups, when he just stopped and told us, no more talking, there's nothing more to say, we're ready to go.
0: So it sounds like you guys were very focused.
2: Well, we were on a mission. You could probably sense that we were in the right frame of mind. We all walked across the park together, not saying a word.
1: And right from the get-go, it was clear that you Tigers meant business.
2: Yeah, I think we got the message across very early in the day, you know, the message that we meant business. It was a great team effort by a team completely fanatical and desperate to wipe out a bad dream and set the record straight. You know, we were determined to show the world that Richmond, not Carlton, was the best club in the league. It just gives you some idea what dedication can do. And there was dedication on every line and in every position.
0: Now, three minutes into this game, things took a big turn with uh, Carlton Superstar, as Alex Jezalenko, uh, when he kicked the ball into the Blues forward line where John Nichols was leading out. And as he went to take the mark, he was meant front on by Laurie Fowler, who was heading in the same direction as the ball. Big Nick was knocked out cold by Fowler's, Fowler's flying shirt front, and he lay motionless on the G for about three minutes.
2: Well, yeah, it set the tone. For Laurie, he was a tough, nuggety sort of player. To have that impact meant that this was for keeps. It, it really did set the tone.
1: So how did John Nichols effectively being out of the game affect you your boys?
2: Well, he was such an enormous presence on the ground as a leader that we thought, shit, what's going to happen now? But it affected them. Nick went down and it certainly unsettled them. I'm not saying that was the reason why we won today, but uh, they were starting to think twice about what the hell was happening out there.
0: Look, there were a few players who stood out really early, Kevin Sheedy being one of them.
2: Kevin Sheedy, now there's a man with guts. He was magnificent. He really set us on the road to victory in the first quarter, you know, with that creative handball, shepherding, playing hard, slogging work, and of course, those invaluable three goals.
1: And another area the Tigers took control was in the ruck, which was unexpected.
2: Well, all the experts, for instance, predicted that Peter Jones would wipe the ground with our rucks, but uh, take a bow away, Roberts and Michael Green, they showed those critics. Poor old Wale has been maligned throughout the season but against Jones and David McKay he showed just how great his heart is and it wasn't just in the hit outs that he did so well but everywhere. And Don't forget that he did all this in conditions which should have suited him, the biggest man on the field less than anybody else.
0: So the team's second quarter was seriously impressive with those eight goals and those bursts have been seem to be part of your game for a few years now.
2: It was a great feeling to go in at half time four goals up but that was only half a game. We knew we had more in the tank, as I said earlier, we, we were focused, hungry, and knew we had to finish the job.
1: Now, the other thing we need to talk about is the incident between Neil Baum and uh, Carlton's fullback, Jeff Southby. Look,
2: in my eyes, it was a spirit of the moment thing. You've got to play them hard. I, I think everybody was aware it was a grand final where, you know, probably nearly anything goes.
0: So, Southby suffered a pretty severe concussion from the looks of it, and all a result of that vicious round arm to the face. You don't think it was a bit more premeditated than that?
2: We didn't say to him, I want you to knock this bloke off or that bloke. It just unfortunately worked out that way. And, but then minutes later, he did a similar thing to Vin Waite. And mind you, Waite got a free kick for it, so I don't see what the issue is. Well, ugh, look, I know Carlton are pretty dirty on these tactics. Look, it wasn't all one-way traffic. We had our own casualties to deal with. Francis Burke was left hobbling. Let's just try and focus on our victory, can we?
1: It seemed that in that frantic second quarter, everything Carlton threw at you, you just you had an answer for.
2: That's right, it was just a determined effort by the whole team not to let them get too much of a run on. Ian Stewart really put his body on the line and got that goal after the half-time siren to give us a handy half-time lead.
0: And you, Royce, also had a hand in a few goals and that injury obviously not affecting you
2: too much. Yeah, well the body was feeling pretty good and I took a few grabs and kicked a pretty handy goal for us as well.
1: Now getting back to Ian Stewart, he was limping somewhat when you came out after half-time and he was moved to the forward pocket. Why didn't you just take him off?
2: Are you kidding? Ian Stewart is a three-time Brownlow medalist. You don't take someone of his calibre off unless they physically can't walk out there.
0: Now the Tigers really just dominated the start of that third quarter with goals to uh, Stewie and yourself and your defence just holding the Blues forwards back. So unbelievable, McGee has been a great pick-up for you. Yeah,
2: well Bones has been a great player this year. Tommy just has this knack of turning some of these troubled players around and really you know, getting the best out of them.
1: Uh, the time the Tigers dominated that third quarter, it was only your team's accuracy that probably kept the Blues in it. Were you worried that Cullen still had one big effort left?
2: I'm not saying that we were really worried in that last quarter, but they did give us, well, me at least, a bit of a fright. You never know what can happen when a team gets such a run, it was, you know, it was a real credit to their fighting qualities. Blokes like Robert Walls, Gary Crane, uh, Vin Waite, David McKay and Neil Chandler and Brian Quirk when they came on, you know, they never stopped trying.
0: That be your defence again, just held them back?
2: Oh yes, it was good to know that our last line of defence would stand firm. And stand firm it did. Carlton just happened to be playing a side that was more determined and fanatical.
1: Some people spoke pre-game about Richmond having a loose defence. They said that Carlton's forwards would be big trouble for Richmond.
2: Well, they were superb against a really tough forward line. You know, Dick Clay, Laurie Fowler, Rex Hunt, Robbie McGee and Mervyn Keane. What a terrific effort from those Tigers. They were under extreme pressure all day, especially in the last quarter when the Blues appeared as if they would, you know, get a run on.
0: Now, the Blues did come back and got within 18 in that last quarter. You guys just didn't seem like you could buy a
2: goal. What did we finish with? Something like 1-9, I think it was. Sheedy, Wood and Morris tried to get us some goals, but both missed pretty easily.
1: It really showed how much the Blues missed John Nichols when he missed a goal from the goal square. Uh, and from when from there, you studied with a fine goal from Neil Barham.
2: Barmy had a big last quarter, but, but he was another Miss Gettable Goals and uh, by that stage, late in the last quarter, we knew that the cup was ours.
0: And then, mate, you were off to grab the cup.
2: Yeah, I got the cup off a of Sir Rowan Delacone, who was a patron of Richmond. We had to go up in the cricket stand, walk up through the crowd, and he was just sitting up there, and he just gave me the cup, and uh, we walked back through the crowd, and then we ran a lap, filled the cup up with grog, and we got into the rooms, and uh, now we're drinking from it.
1: Could you give us the best player from today?
2: Well, there were so many good players on every line. But uh, here goes uh, Paul Sproul, put in a fine performance indeed. Right, and... Michael Green, he was superb in the ruck and with his marking and kicking all over the ground. I'm, I'm sure I'm not taking anything from the little men when I say that a lot of their work was, you know, made really easier by our two big fellows. And how? Mind you, weren't the little blokes superb too? Kevin Bartlett is incredible. Fast, elusive, indestructible, and he did cop a few... What can you say about Ian that hasn't been said already at least a thousand times? The way he just kept on running and running and running, especially in that last quarter when everybody had had it.
0: Well, Royce, thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. It's been an absolute pleasure.
2: My pleasure. All the best, fellas. Go tykes Go Tigers! <laughs>
1: Absolutely
0: fiery grand final that was. Um, really not, interesting hearing. Not surprising that it was a fiery game. Is
1: well, it? I mean, hearing how angry Carlton are about that and that whole Neil Baum hit on Southby, which, I mean, has gone down in folklore now. We, we know about that. And, yes. And Nichols being taken out.
0: Well, what a. I mean, that's key, that's key. Oh, absolutely. Right?
1: Without their, their captain coach, that's massive. Um, some stats from that game goals for Richmond, Hart with three, Sheedy three, Stewart three. Barman Sproul with two and Bartlett, Carter and Green with one each. For Carlton, it was Crane and Dixon and Hall and Mackay and Walls with two, Chandler and Nichols with one. Best for Richmond were Bartlett, Shitty, Green, Stewart, Hart, Sproul. I mean, those names are just yeah. unbelievable. And as we talked a little bit about, the other winners were also Richmond. So their reserves beat Geelong 120 to 60. Their under nineteens beat Essendon 108 to 94. So it's no surprise then that the uh the McClellan trophy, trophy went to, went to the Richmond. <laughs> In probably
0: the the greatest points win we've ever seen, I imagine.
1: Yeah. Um, Now, some points of interest here. Ian Stewart is the only man in VFL AFL history to win a Brownlow and a Premiership with two different teams. Wow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you talk about exclusive clubs. There you go. That is a one-man club. That's a a serious uh, reunion in a telephone box, isn't it? Yeah.
1: Um, And another thing here, Brian Roberts, Brian the Whale Roberts of Richmond, Playing with Richmond now Was named for the Big V Becoming the first man To play state football For South Australia Western Australia And Victoria
0: That's pretty incredible
1: Yeah That wouldn't be A very big club either How do you do that? Because your state Of where you're playing Is who
0: you play for for Oh okay That's why
1: we had Polly Farmer and the like Playing for Victoria Yep Um, Now Richmond were able To go one better this year In the Championship Of Australia series as well Yes great So they took The other teams that qualified Were Subiaco Glenelg and Scottsdale Uh, They beat Glenelg by 15 points in the semi and then in the grand final it was Richmond versus Subiaco and they won 92-79. Massive. Um, Which gets us to the end of the season, Charlie. Yes. Let's let's start with some retirees, shall we? Please. So we've got Roger Dean of Richmond. 245 games, 204 goals, two flags. Russell Crowe, Rusty, finishing off Fitzroy, 158 games, 150 goals. Barry Burke of Melbourne, 175 games, 154 goals, one flag. Been around for longer than I realised. Yeah. Uh, Eric Moore, Richmond and South Melbourne, 98 games, 122 goals, one flag. Norm Brown, Fitzroy, 181 games, 77 goals. But here's the uh, the sad one. Robert Rose, so Bob Rose's son. Collingwood and Footscray, 35 games and six goals. Forced retirement because he was involved in a serious car accident on. Valentine's Day 1974 on the Western Highway. He and two other passengers in the car were injured when the vehicle got out of control and gravel about 37 yeah. miles west of Melbourne, the accident leaving him a quadriplegic. Ah, yeah, terrible. Terrible news. Um, but let's wrap up the rest of this.
0: Yes. So, the 1973 VFL Premiership team went was? Richmond. Of course. Uh, the lead goal kicker. Um, good question. It was Peter McKenna with 84 goals. So 82 in for the Coleman. Yep. Two, only two goals in the final. The gastro really got him. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Yes.
1: We'll get back to that. The
0: 1973 Brownlow went to... Keith Gregg, North Keith. Melbourne's
1: first ever Brownlow.
0: Yes, with 27 votes. Absolutely, The Wooden Spoon in 73 went to South Melbourne. South Melbourne, of
1: Melbourne their, fourth, their, uh, their seventh... Wooden spoon, sorry. Yes,
0: overall, and as we mentioned, the reserves premiership, of course, went to Richmond.
1: The highest score for 1974 went, uh, 1973 went to Hawthorne 27 goals, eight 170. Um, the who else we got? We got Mark of the Year going to Alan Atkins of Collingwood. Uh, most points scored in '73 was Lethal Lee with 48 as a rover. Ah, and the Rookie of the Year, Charlie. I know you're always yes. Of this, Wayne Schimmelbush of North Melbourne had to be putting in a great yep. season, edging out Vic Arneson of South and Paul Cranage of Collingwood to take home the uh, the, the Rookie of the Year. The, yeah, uh, the NAB Rising Star, or the <laughs> Ron, Evan, Ron Evans Medal, I believe it is. So Premiership tally as of 1973. We've got Collingwood with 13, Essendon and Melbourne both with 12, Carlton with 11, Fitzroy 8, Richmond now 8, Geelong 6, South 3, Hawthorne 2, Footscray and St Kilda 1 each. And would you like to choose the best name?
0: I would absolutely love to. Okay, let me t- run through these. So we've got Barry Beercroft, Vic Ananson, Jeff Craighead, Ted Obadzinski, Ian Ludus, Glenn Swan, Frank Giampolo, Robbie Flower, Richard Zemensky, Wayne Bevan, Bowden Javorsky, Ivan Rasmussen, Colin Cruz, Wayne Schimmelbush, Daryl Sutton. My gosh, okay. Mick Nolan, the galloping gasometer. Oh, Peter, man. okay, okay, all right. There's a few here. Jeez. I'm gonna go with Phil Manassa Okay. Because when you say it like that, it Phil sounds Manasseh. yeah, yeah. It sounds like um, a prank phone call name. <laughs> so I'm going with that. There's a few rippers here. Shimmelbush was probably yeah. Look, it, yeah. No, go with your instinct. Yeah, Phil Manassa <laughs> <laughs> Wayne Schimmelbush, very close there. Some rippers. Lance Styles was right up there. Renee Kink. There's some. There's some good ones there. <laughs> right.
1: Well, that's seventy-three.
0: Yes. Uh, so yeah, big. Big year, good, to, you know, North Melbourne. Lots of interesting stuff going on. That ten-year rule yeah, really, so it's, really has, well, its already gone. Yeah, 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 but, yeah, yeah, Exactly.
1: It's—it's uh, it's made its mark.
0: Yes, yeah, and we'll continue to, even though it only lasted for nine months, right? Mm, yep, absolutely. So uh, very interesting, and looking forward to talking about seventy-four.
1: And uh, yeah, and just to finish off, some sad losses as well. Goodbye to uh, Norm Smith and John Coleman. Yeah,
0: two huge names of the game. Two big awards named after those guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Both died in the same year.
0: I didn't yeah. think about that. Uh, so, well, until 74, guys, uh, we're looking forward to uh, to speaking to you soon. But, yeah, hooroo.
3: To find out more about the kick to kick team and the sources we use, visit our website, www.kick2kickpodcast.com. You can contact us via email at kick2kickpodcast at gmail.com or find us on Twitter and Instagram under at kick 2 Thanks so much for listening.